Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Grutten, and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision, or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news, every weekday lunchtime, on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for the Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Man City Show, everyone. This is Tony Newrosh stepping in for the sadly confined to quarters Nigel Roth band. Hopefully he's nursing nothing more than the worst hangovers since the last time we put six past Manchester United. We wish you better, Nigel. So joining me tonight, three cats who well and truly got the City cream yesterday. It's Steve Cox. Hi, Steve. Hi. <laughs> Hi, it's Paul Demby and it's Spencer Debson. Hi, chaps. Good evening. Good evening, Tony. Good evening all. Well, Steve, let's start with you. How how was it for you, darling? Oh, I'll tell you what, ecstatic. Um, I did, I must admit, for a game that we scored six, I was a little bit deflated at the end because they managed to get three. And I think three completely and utterly flattered them. The fact that they even got one would have flattered them, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it was a good goal, that, that the goal that they actually really genuinely scored a brilliant goal there. But I think that we completely and utterly obliterated them in the first half, so much so that we made five substitutions, completely mullered the team, it seems, um, and then we got a little bit sloppy. But on the whole, the understanding between Messrs Foden, De Bruyne and Haaland was off the planet. Literally, they are really learning to play together really, really well. And I think the bit that really stuck out for me in my mind, and I was talking to a United fan today, was the fact that De Bruyne used to have to put a pinpoint cross in that was potentially close to another team's player. He can now put it between that player and the keeper and know that Haaland, with his um, extendable legs, can just shove a limb out and score a goal from it, which 
gives us something that you, you cannot defend against something like that. It, it, you know, I used to play as a keeper and it, it, it puts the ball into what you consider the worst place for a keeper or a defender to actually try and stop it. Harland puts himself perfectly on the end of that. That, that second goal of his, absolutely amazing. So all in all, very positive. Wasn't so happy with the changes that were made towards the end of the game that kind of caused us to go a bit sloppy. So a little bit of Lisa Wilson there, but never mind. Okay, Paul, yeah, give us your it. overall take. Overall take, the first half was mesmeric. Possibly the best 45 minutes of tearing those rags to pieces I've ever seen. More emphatic than the 6-1 at Old Trafford 10 years or so ago. Absolutely brilliant play. De Bruyne, Foden, Holland, we've already said, fantastic. I couldn't fault one City player in that first half. They were all so good. Brilliant. And Spencer, are you still purring? Yes. Uh, definitely, definitely. We, we're all the cats that have got the cream tonight. We really are, aren't we? I mean, we've seen all these games. The thing is, in the past, when we had, you know, the 6-1 and the, uh, when was that, 2011, um, it was, uh, at that stage, it was something fresh and new and novel. To actually beat United is not fresh and new and novel. I mean, uh, but I think this, this uh, game came, had a little bit of a, preamble to it didn't it you had all these changes that united had uh, made i actually did feel a little bit uh, nervous before the game but maybe that's my 40 year old city psyche kicking into into uh, coming into gear gary neville uh, who who uh, i'm not particularly great fan of gary neville but he's purports to know something about football he'd half convinced me that there was something to worry about and so you know you, you as the as the as the whistle goes you're preparing uh but i mean you know 15 20 minutes well 10 minutes into it i mean we were absolutely outstanding uh and it's hard to keep the superlatives coming i mean we want to um come up with useful uh, thoughts and information don't we from the game yesterday but this fella harland is scoring uh, almost two goals a game i mean it's, it's absolutely uh, insane and uh, it's a total joy to watch total joy it's it certainly is and i'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about mr harland shortly but but steve let's let's just go back to before kickoff rodri was injured uh, a bit of a surprise so our sort of talisman holding midfielder wasn't there were you nervous? No. Um, the minute the minute I saw the team that they'd set up with, McTominay and Ericsson, I thought, hmm, they could probably do with a ball-winning defensive midfielder themselves, really, because those two really aren't it, in my opinion. Um, and you could see that we'd set up with a very much a ball-playing triangle. So Akanji and Ake are very, very useful on the ball and bringing the ball forward. Gundogan, goes without saying, can do the same thing. So I, I don't think we were really set up for the defensive perspective. Guardiola seemed to have set us up for carrying the ball out of defence. And actually, within the first few minutes of that game, it, it kind of came to fruition. We played through their press so easily, it was unbelievable. They weren't pressing as a team. They were trying to close down both the Kanji or Ake, and they were just going past them. And, and, and at times, even just carrying the ball through their midfield as well. So I actually wasn't worried about the absence of Rodri, to be fair, for once. Normally, it would give me the, the willies a little bit, but no, I don't think it scared me at all. 
Okay, Paul, before we get on to our, our star hat-trick boys, just, just let's talk about that centre-half pairing, Ake and Akanji. I think you'd got good money if I told you at the beginning of the season it would be those two playing in the derby, but the day they deserve their place? Oh, certainly. I think he played them both. They're playing well at the moment when they put the City shirt on, so well done to the guys. They're speedier. Perhaps Diaz hasn't got the speed. Stones, we know, is injured. Laporte's just coming back from uh, longer-term injury. They've got the pace, and perhaps he feared, with only Walker as a pacey player there, that they'd put the ball through the middle over the top, which they've done in the past. And with Rashford uh, there, with his speed, uh, that's what they did look to do a couple of times, but got nowhere near it. So I think that's possibly one of the reasons he played those two. And they were absolutely superb, as you said, Bringing the ball out of defence as well was um, easy for them. Um, and there were just a few moves as well between all, all, all the team. There was one, I think, Cancelo, I think it was Cancelo, where he, he put uh, Fernandes on his backside, and that was just brilliant on the touchline. Um, but I thought the centre-halves, they had a great game, but didn't have too much to do. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair comment. Spencer, before we feast ourselves on uh, Haaland up front, who who would be your first-choice centre-half pairing, assuming everyone's fit going forward? It's such a hard uh, choice, isn't it, to say? I mean, to think we've got five centre-halves who are not, they're not interchangeable by any means, but they're certainly all um, Man City quality. Uh, I mean, we were talking about Ake at the beginning, weren't we, being a... He was the fourth of four last year, wasn't he? But he's absolutely established his credentials. Akanji's come from nowhere. I was wondering whether uh, Pep would be playing him for the first few games as a sort of vote of confidence, if you like, uh, as, as a new addition to the squad. But he's been absolutely excellent. Diaz, player of the year last year. Uh, John Stones has long ago, you know, banished his sort of error-prone elements. We've truly got five centre-halves who, uh, you know, we can can, uh, interchange somewhat. Obviously, left foot, right foot thing. Um, I'm struggling to tell you. Uh, I mean, I I think it's going to be quite hard to displace Akanji because he's the one that actually has that true physicality and speed and physical size. Um, so I, I don't know if he'll be displaced going forward. Uh, and then it's about game time. It's about rotation. It's about injury. Um, I'm, it's, this is another way of really not answering your question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling. I really am struggling. No, it's a tough one. I'll give you that. Paul, come on. I'm going to give you a moment now. There's been plenty of stats about Erling Haaland banded around. Give us, give us your favourites after yesterday. Well, the fact that he scored three hat-tricks in eight games and is 40 ahead of his closest rival, well, not rival, but the person that did it in the fewest games before that, Michael Owen, who was a phenomenal striker. It took him 48 games to do it, whereas Haaland's done it in eight games. is one of the most striking statistics of yesterday. He's The other one that hit me as well was he's only nine goals short of what the Golden Boot winner got last year, and he's got another... <laughs> Uh, what is it, 29 games to go or 30 games to go? I'll lose 30 games to go. So he's going to blow that out of the water. And his current ratio of goals, if he stays fit, big if, because he'd like to pick up the odd injury. Strikers do. Hopefully, if it is, it's only a minor injury, keeps out for a game or two. But if he plays 38 games at the current rate, I think it's like 66 goals he's going to score, give or take, this season, which he's not going to do. But it's phenomenal. You think about it, the number of chances being created by our midfield, whether it's De Bruyne, Foden, Grealish is on form now as well. Bernardo Silva. We're just creating chances from everywhere. And 
as a City fan, it's just a joy to watch. Well, one thing that really pleased me was the press had been very positive on City, saying that 6-3 was letting United off lightly, that really it could have been 8 or 9 quite easily. And I think it could have been 6 by half-time. I think we're just restricting ourselves nowadays to tennis scores because we've had 6-0 against uh, Bournemouth, uh, uh, sorry, against Forest. Uh, 6-3 is becoming a regular score. That's the third 6-3 in just over a year for City uh, at home. So uh, it's a regular occurrence now. Um, it's um, The statistics just, you know, I could go on all night, but I won't. Um, but they, there are so many around at the moment. Records are going to fall this year. I'd like to add my favourite statistic at this point, actually. We've got 20 teams in the Premier League. Haaland is actually currently outscoring 14 of them on his own. That just speaks for itself. Spencer, I mean, Steve's already alluded to this sort of Inspector Gadget style finishing of, of Haaland. Limbs just come from anywhere and everywhere. And the, the look of bemusement on De Gea's face was just astonishing. But he's, he's also assisting now. How, how much better can this guy get? Uh, well, clearly he's young. Uh, he's fresh. He's, uh, he's got a lot to learn, as he said, when he joined City. So uh, we're looking for incremental improvements every game, aren't we? Because we should never be satisfied. We're, uh, you know, we're looking for that Zen space. Now I'm being very, very facetious, aren't I? Uh, I mean, it's really very hard to to, um, to 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 develop it further. But he will get better, no doubt. I mean, the one concern I, everyone has with Haaland is the injury thing. Apparently. Um, I think both in the I think the German league and prior, he hadn't completed more than 28 games a season. I don't know the backstory to that, and I don't know uh, whether that was you know injury specifics or some sort of general uh, reflection of his style, because he's not a he's 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 got a sort of a quite a lumbering style, really reflecting his physical size, hasn't he? Um, but the, you know his turn of speed. I mean the the third goal. Um, from the De Bruyne um, pass out of, I don't even know how De Bruyne sees these, but that was a very difficult conversion because he was uh, coming in at speed. He was back, wasn't even clear he, connect, he would connect with the ball. The connector's going to be there, but he hesitates. If you would look at it in slow-mo, not that I've watched it 10 times, of course, uh, but he, he sort of slows up and then just makes sure that he converts to it. You know, just to get to that ball was difficult. To actually convert it and score with it was was not straightforward. Um, and he just makes difficult things look easy. I think even the header uh, from the, from De Bruyne's corner for the second, you know, had to be in the right spot. You know, he's between two defenders again, not straightforward. Clearly, has the height advantage. So he's making he makes difficult things look uh, look easy. Uh, and um, uh, you know, this is just a joy to behold. Uh, the the other thing I was going to mention actually was, of course, it was Foden's first career hat trick, uh, and uh, apparently that takes him over fifty, um, fifty career goals for City. So yeah. um, all in all, the only possible thing that could have happened yesterday would have liked would have been for Jack Grealish to not one in because I thought we haven't mentioned him yet, but he played really well yesterday. Started off bright. Uh, and, and played right through. So that's uh, it, uh, only pluses from yesterday. It's absolutely fantastic. All right. Well, Paul, here's another stat for you, moving on to Phil Foden. He's the first player to score a hat-trick in the Manchester derby since Sterling Harbour nine minutes earlier. So, yeah, two hat-tricks yesterday. How good was his performance? Well, Foden was uh, absolutely brilliant yesterday. Um, but the, again, I, I struggle to fault any player. Foden's movement, his passing, the way he took his goals as well. Um, 
yes, the, the defence was at fault, but he created the space to make them panic. And he, his passing all-round game yesterday was one of his better games this season. Early on in the season, first few games, he wasn't as... I struggle to say this, but as good as perhaps he was last season. But he's certainly come into it in the Derby game yesterday and he's shown patches of the the bright young thing that he is. And he's going to, I hope he continues his form. Brilliant. And as we mentioned, if Grealish continues it, we're going to be a handful for most teams this season. Steve, who else stood out for you yesterday? Oh, everyone. Um <laughs> Really hard, actually. Um, I thought Grealish had a good game. He had as tidy a game as he's had for us, and he had his hand in several of the goals as well, um, and he linked the play up really well, and he didn't persistently sort of cut in on his left or right. Um, You know, he was a little bit less predictable than he was previously, so I thought he had quite a good game. Gundogan played brilliantly, but actually the one that was sort of really stood out for me over and above those was Bernardo. Um, I thought Bernardo was everywhere all at the same time. Um, when we needed to hold the ball up, he held the ball up. He, at one point, I remember him having about three or four United players around him and none of them could even take the ball off him. He did, they just kept trying and trying and trying and he just tied them up in knots. So I thought Bernardo had one of his better games and he always seems to have a really good game in those kind of what you might expect to be a more physical um, a more up for it kind of environment. The bigger games, he seems to really get up for those. He's, you know, he, he plays really well all the time. But those kind of games, he seems to relish for us. Um, never puts a foot wrong for me. That guy never. No, they were all all outstanding. And Gundogan for me is is the unsung hero in many respects, isn't he? Steps in, tidies everything up. He's a he's a quality player. So no full comment. Any any other players we like to put? Edison, Mad Dog Edison. He's he's a bit like a dog who doesn't get the ball, isn't he? He just comes charging out. I want it. I want it every once in a while. But pretty much behave himself. Paul was he at fault for any of their goals? Um, you might say the second one, but it was a hard shot from Ben. That's a bit tough, yeah. yeah. That's a bit tough. I would say his distribution a couple of times, if you want a minor criticism of any player yesterday, Edison's distribution two or three times, he pushed, uh, he he overhit it and it went out for a throw-in rather than his normal accuracy where he picks out a player and it lands on his chest or his foot. Two or three times it went over their heads out of play. So very minor criticism. But, you know, back to ratings, I think Haaland's game yesterday, you'd struggle not to give him a 10 out of 10. And I know press don't like to give 10s out of 10 because they're looking for perfection. But to me, yesterday, Haaland was as close to perfection as you're ever going to see on a football pitch. For a striker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How gentlemen privileged are we at the moment I mean it was an astonishing performance and you know we've all been there at Wickham away and York City at home and Mansfield in the Autoglass Trophy how fortunate are we at the moment I mean where where do these performances rate when Roy Keane is saying what a fantastic team we are Spencer should we really just occasionally just pause for breath to realise how lucky we are at the moment no absolutely I mean Pep was speaking wasn't he about uh, the sort of succession thing 
Uh, and, you know, not to worry. I'm not about to go, don't worry. But when I do go, don't worry, everything's set up very well. <laughs> and you're listening to this thing with a sort of, well, I'll have to suspend disbelief on that one because, you know, we want him to stay forever. He won't. Uh, but when he does go, it, it is the case, isn't it, that Man City are a really well-run team. You know, the owners let the management manage the management team itself, the three of them, uh, Bagiristan, Ferriano and Pep, of course, you know, you, you can tell they work really well together. You can tell that the purchases are strategic. Uh, they're system purchases. They're not showboat type purchases that other clubs can make. Um, and I think that reflects our transfer policy where we've genuinely had very, very few players um, that you would say were were, were in, incorrect purchases. Um, I'm struggling to think of any uh you know the mangala thing and one or two others but uh the whole structure of the club the way it's run the academy uh the reinvestment into the into the campus uh makes us as city fans and let's face it you know 40 of the 50 odd years i've been supporting city haven't been so glorious uh but it really does give us a confidence i think that uh that we can be successful for decades to come and dare I say, even post Pep, but you know we're we're in the thrall of this fantastic, iconic victory of yesterday. Uh, so we're we're on a high, and uh, long long may we remain on a high. That's all Indeed. Well, where does that performance rank? What, what sort of? How would you compare it to other standout performances? Is it the very best? Let's just talk about the first half, if we may. As far as the first half goes, that has to rank as possibly, and I, I've got a really go to my brain cells here. It's, po- it's certainly in the top three, if not the top one. I'm trying to think of other one-half performances that were as good as that, where we absolutely... Yes, we've been 4-0 up at half-time before. We were against Leicester, another 6-3 win from a year ago. But this time, we were 4-0 up against a team that was on a, they were on a bit of a high. They, they'd won a few games on the run. They didn't come into the derby as vastly under uh, underdogs uh, as quite often that they have been in the past and, and they've won at uh, the Etihad as we well know so that performance in the first half as I said it was no team I don't believe any team in the world no matter how good they were whether it would be Liverpool at their peak at the moment or a Bayern Munich at their peak or a Real Madrid at their peak they wouldn't have lived with us yesterday in that first half whether we've been 4-0 up against a slightly better team than, than the Reds I don't know but I think that is up there with one of the best performances I've ever seen. The only thing I can think that equates to it is the last two minutes against QPR in 2012. Fair enough. Steve, you alluded before to the fact that the second half, we took our foot off the gas and perhaps we let them get in a couple of goals that flattered them. Is that understandable in the in the grand scheme of things? Do you think it's probably for the greater good making all those changes? Um. Hmm. Yes, yes and no. I mean, I'd like to at first expand upon Paul's point that he was making actually about the first half of of football there. I think that if you transport the team that we played yesterday back to the game against Real Madrid last year, having that extra rapier edge at the front of the team, we would have probably won that comfortably and not given Real Madrid an opportunity to come back. So, I would argue that the team is so much better this year with a focal point up front, even though we all argued last year that we were doing okay without a striker, actually with a striker of the quality of Harlem, we seem to be doing a damn sight better. Um, But 
that first half gave us the opportunity to actually ease back a little bit in the second half. But I did note that when United scored, we still went straight up the other end and scored another goal on, on both occasions. Um, the penalty, I thought, was a bit of a strange one. I wasn't sure that I necessarily felt that to be a penalty, but, you know, it's very hard to begrudge them when you're three behind, you know, when they're three behind. You can't really argue the toss about something like that, given the fact that we'd already put them to the sword in the, in the first half. So I guess... It's, it's very difficult to keep up that level of performance for a whole 90 minutes. And the reality is we've got to do something again tomorrow um, on Wednesday night against Copenhagen. Then we've got another game again on Saturday against Southampton at home. So I think we've got to be conservative with some of our performances. We can't really afford to go everything, everybody hammer and tongs all of the time. And once you've won a game, you've won a game. I guess, you know, you look at it, we could always go up another gear and score another couple of goals whenever we wanted to. Okay, now, gentlemen, I know this is the Man City show, but I have to ask, and it gives me no pleasure whatsoever to say this, but how embarrassing was Manchester United's performance yesterday, Paul? Oh, it was terrible. But they probably didn't get a chance because we were so good. You can only play well against a team if they're not playing as well as City did. That that, that team will not struggle against many other oppositions, but uh, maybe Ten Hag set them up wrongly. I mean, there are a lot of press that they should have had Casemiro in there instead of having McTominay and Ericsson there. But that's the way they were set up. They were poor. They didn't uh, compete, but I don't really care. <laughs> Spencer, fair enough. I mean, what it's worth, I thought they were an embarrassment to Manchester. And given they're not even from Manchester, I don't think we should even refer to them as Manchester anymore. So it's the Stretford rags for the rest of this show. Um, were they that awful? I mean, just to put this in context, my little boy was playing yesterday at the same time, unfortunately, so missed it. They won 22-3. And at one point in the first half, I was I thought City might actually top that. Were they that bad, Spencer? Uh, well, they weren't allowed to play. I mean, on paper, they had... Great, good players in that. T- I mean, Anthony is clearly a very good player, but it was a, it was really a collection of individuals that were out outclassed rather than a team. Uh, again, I don't know why Casemiro didn't play because I thought he was. They paid lots of money for him to anchor the midfield and do be their Rodri, and they, they need <laughs> exactly the player they needed on the pitch that they didn't have. Um, so, I mean, my, my only mild regret was that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo didn't didn't get five minutes because I, I realised, as though with my son Anthony yesterday, that he's the only sort of um, great of the modern era that we haven't seen play uh, live. Um, and again, I, I, I don't I don't know why he didn't play yesterday, but um, clearly I, I think that was our last chance to see him play live um, or at least r- run around for a few minutes. Uh, no, they were outplayed. Uh, I, I agree with the, pre- the guy's previous comments. I think... Uh, no team could have lived with us, even uh, Liverpool at their best. Uh, when when you're in flow and you've got players like De Bruyne and their heart and Foden, and the interlinking is there, you're you know you were somewhat unbeatable yesterday. But United uh, did not play uh, as well as uh, we were all expecting pre-match. No no question about that. Steve, anything we could have done better? Uh... Could have scored more goals, could have really humiliated them, I suppose. Um, could have not conceded any. Um, would have been nice to have kept a clean sheet and had a, a higher score tally. Um, I think, to be fair, we yeah, we humiliated them in that, in that first half. Their pressing was shocking. Um, I saw a report by Michael Cox this morning where he showed something on The Athletic and he illustrated it when 
City were bringing the ball out of defence. You had Rashford running towards one of our players in an arc and they quickly went past him and beat him and, and, and moved on further down the pitch. The opposite, they showed the opposite. So what City were doing, you had four City players closing down United's defenders and pushing them into or forcing them into mistakes. So, I, I, I mean, it would be, would have been nice to have had a 90-minute performance. But as I said earlier, the, the, the reality of that is is you can't do that every single game and play for the number of games that you have to and be fighting on all fronts for a whole season. So we have to kind of conserve our energies a little bit. Uh, it would have been nice to give some of the, you know, Cole Palmer perhaps a little bit longer maybe and not make five changes perhaps. Maybe we could have just made two or three. But I guess perhaps just conserving people's energies. Paul? Slacked off in the second half, threw away two points against Villa, only second in the league. If if we had the Watford board of directors, I think Pep would have been out of a job by now, wouldn't he? Probably, yes. Um, probably wouldn't have lasted this long because I'm sure at one point he had two draws and a defeat, didn't he, uh, um, when he first joined us? So the Watford board and possibly the Wolves board as well nowadays would have uh, disposed of him. Now, it's, uh, I feel sorry for Watford fans. I know a couple of them, but they're... Uh, they just go through changes like you, you, we change our clothing virtually. Um, now, City just, we're so good at the moment under Pep and we're going to continue that way. You just hope the performances, you know that we can't continue to deliver that level of performance every single week. It's just not feasible. But if you got 80% of that for most matches, it would be sufficient and we'd still be purring at it. Spencer, what about the atmosphere yesterday? Um... What about the atmosphere yesterday? Very good. Uh, did a bit of a Poznan. Haven't done that for a while. Uh, and enjoyed that. Um, and a bit of Natalie Pike. You can't go, you know, that's that's no bad thing, is it? But Natalie Pike and a bit of Jason Manford right in front of us. Um, so thoroughly enjoyable. Um, the one quick thing I was going to just mention, which which we've, we've sort of covered, but is it's so noticeable, uh, is the press. We know that when City are out of possession, they, they buzz around and they swarm and they get the bloody ball back. Excuse, oh, excuse me, that's a bit 9pm-ish, isn't it, saying that? Um, United were not pressing at all. And when they lost possession, uh, there was very, very little movement. Uh, you know, you look at the Arteta team at Arsenal and you look at City, when they're out of possession, they they scramble like heck to get it back. Uh, and most times they do. So that's, that's, that's a critical miss. Um, but sorry, I diverted from your question, didn't I? Um, very, very nice atmosphere. Um, very nice half-time pie and a thoroughly enjoyable day out, uh, Tony. All good. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll look ahead to this week's two upcoming fixtures. We'll be back shortly. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back, everyone. So that was the Derby demolition on Sunday. Let's just have a think now about... Who's going to stop us winning the league? Steve, any thoughts who our biggest rivals are at the moment? Well, I would say Arsenal and Spurs probably are the two teams that are kind of showing a similar pattern to what we are at the moment. Um, in the last 
three or four seasons, they reckon that you can afford to drop points in six games. Liverpool have dropped points in five. Um, so you can you can afford to drop points in six games and you can still win the league. But if you drop points in more than six games, the chances of you winning the league just become a lot more remote. So um, I'm not sure what's happening at Liverpool, but they don't really seem to be pushing themselves at the moment. They seem a bit lethargic and a little bit out of sorts at the minute, which is unusual for a Klopp team. Arsenal seem to be playing rather well. Um, they have dropped points. They did lose to United, which was a bit of a surprise at the time. Um, Spurs lost at the weekend to Arsenal. So um, it, it is looking a bit unusual. It might be a, a different top six this year, I think, compared to previous years. So my top six would probably be, um, in no particular order, Arsenal, City, Spurs, Chelsea. And I think if they keep it up, Brighton maybe. Well, okay, Spencer. Hmm. Okay, so Spencer, I was going to say, I don't think Manchester United got to mention, sorry, Stratford United got to mention in there. If you compare goal differences since the start of last season between us and the Rags, we are plus 93, they are minus three. Rather ironically, if they had beaten us yesterday, they could have gone ahead of us in the league if they'd won their game in hand. But I think we can probably discount them. How much of a threat do you see Arsenal, Spencer? Well, I thought I saw Arsenal um, have a brilliant win against Spurs and they really do look great, don't they? And I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, a bit, I think we're all big Arteta fans. Uh, he's come through a very difficult period there um, to become quite loved by the fans, I think. He's got a great young team there, great players. We gave them two from us, didn't we? Who uh, uh, I think, you know, clearly Jesus is going to bag up a ton of goals this season, uh, you know, because he's now the main man. He's being loved a bit more. He's not just a squad player. He's the, he's a sort of a pivot for them. Uh, so I, 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 I think definitely Arsenal could, I definitely top four in my book um, could easily be, you know, second or third, because we're going to win, aren't we? Um, I do think United, notwithstanding yesterday, um, teams do will will bounce back and they have got good players in there. And I do think Ten Hag actually is a good manager. So I think they they could they could end up in the top, I don't know, four, five, six, what we're talking about. Um, but I don't fear, like we said in the podcast the other week, uh, do we genuinely fear anyone that to, to, to come close and it's facetious to say, no, I don't think we're going to win this thing by 10 points this year. But, you know, Liverpool, I think, inevitably will improve. Although, they've, as uh, Steve said, they've dropped um, uh, uh, many more points at this stage of the season than we would have expected eight games in. Um, I, I, I think uh, Liverpool will be there or thereabouts. Um, but I think we're going to win the league. And I, my focus is on the Champions League. But I'm sure we'll come on to talk about that. Yeah, let's not reopen that debate for tonight. But Paul, who's who do you think our main rivals are this season? Arsenal. I don't think anybody else will get close to us. Uh, I don't think Arsenal at the end of the season. I'm being very positive at the moment. Maybe that's just a reflection of yesterday's brilliant results. But I'm feeling very positive at the moment. Uh, I think Arsenal will give us a run, but come the sharp end of the season, I don't think they'll quite have enough in the tank to keep up with us. Um, I don't see Tottenham have quite sorted themselves out. There was too many failings in their game against Arsenal the other day. Chelsea are in a period of transition. They've got so many new signings. They've spent an awful lot of money, but I don't see them challenging the season. They've got Potter there, who's a great manager, but I think it's a big challenge for him to, to get them up there. As Steve said, Liverpool have already dropped points in five games. They're going to drop points in more than five games. They're going to lose points to, to in, in the rest of the season as well. So, 
for a change, I don't think they'll be up there. I don't think Stratford will be there because I think Ten Hag has got a long, hard job to change them. And the longer it is, the better it is for us. Um, I think there might be a surprise team that creeps into the top four this season, as we just said a few minutes ago. I don't know whether it'll be a Brighton or even a Brentford um, or a Newcastle could get in there. Um, but I, we'll, we'll wait and see. But I, I really seriously don't see anybody really challenging us come the sharp end of the season if we keep our, our main players fit. And that's a big if because, of course, we haven't got a deep squad of top-class players. We've got some brilliant players but if, if we lost Haaland and De Bruyne and or Foden and that, then you struggle a little bit up top. So I'm optimistic and I think we will win the league. Not as close as it has been when Liverpool have been chasing us down to the last game of the season and winning it by a point. I think we'll, we'll win it by a few points. OK. So be interesting to see how Arsenal cope with uh, Thursday nights in Eastern Europe as they progress through the Europa League. But that moves us on to City's own European commitments. FC Copenhagen on Wednesday. Steve, expecting to see a few changes there in the team? I think we might put out a less a less strong team, but any team that we put out tends to be relatively strong. Um, might have a few youngsters in there, or he might go with the age-old adage where you put a fairly experienced team out, you win it in the first half, and then you change it in the second um, to give people a rest. So I guess, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we want to get maximum points from that group where we can. It gives you a more favourable advantage when you come to the, the draw for the knockout rounds, assuming we get through. It's always better to win the group than it is to finish second, to be honest with you. That sometimes gives you a, a, a tough, potential tough opponent. You could end up with Madrid or um, Barcelona if they don't do quite so well in their group. But the reality is you, you'd hope that the stronger teams would all win through and give you a good chance of actually missing them in the in the next round and uh, perhaps facing them in the quarterfinal or semifinal. Um, so, yeah, I think you'll put a fairly strong team out to make sure we do the job. Um, it's a home game, isn't it, really? I always quite like home European games. There's always a bit more of an atmosphere and um, you can't quite get up for those, really, especially during, you know, with the floodlights on and everything like that. So I, I think we'll do all right. I don't, I, I don't think they'll give us much trouble. They haven't really done much in the group so far, have they, really, Copenhagen? Spencer, another win, and we've virtually secured our knockout stage uh, place. Do you think Pep will go strong or as Steve's alluded to, perhaps make a few changes? I think he'll go strong, actually. I think, you know, you might expect after a, a game like United that he would make, you know, five, six changes, but I suspect he won't. I suspect we might have a couple uh, at the beginning and then um, hopefully do well in the game and then and then substitute out later on because it, it is a, you know, we're at an important point at an important point of the group stage. Everyone is expecting us to beat Copenhagen, uh, I'm sure. Um, but we've got to get the job done. And these are exactly the sorts of games where you could have a little bit of a, a down after the after the up. Um, so I think he'll put a strong team out. Um, personally, I'd love Alvarez to start because I can't wait to see more of him. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll start strong and then, and then substitute in later. So any, any score predictions, guys? What do you think, Paul? Uh, well, Copenhagen, um, I'd like to think, I'd like, as um, just as Spencer just said, I'd like Alvarez to, to get a game as well, so maybe give Haaland a rest if we feel like we can. Um, I think 3-0, um, because I don't think we'll keep pushing and pushing and pushing. I'd like to think we get a couple of goals in the first half and, as we say, push, be able to substitute half-time, early second half to, to relax and get ready for the weekend game. Yeah, Richard. 
brings us nicely onto that, really, which is Southampton, isn't it? Um, home game. And it, they have proved to be tricky opponents for us previously, but they seem to be struggling a bit this year. Um, Spencer, what, what are your thoughts on Southampton for the weekend? Yeah, they have, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit of a boat team for us in recent years, haven't they? But um, they are, they're, they're a little bit weaker this year, I think. I mean, they, they did lose to Everton, didn't they, uh, in the last game? Uh, when they'd started after they'd started quite well, um, so I, I think uh, I think again we'll be far too we'll have far too much for them to be honest. Um, and uh, these are the sorts of games that we need to be uh, getting a routine win, hopefully without without injuries, um, and, uh, and and getting some consistency in uh, as we lead up. We've got about another month, haven't we, to go four or five weeks before the World Cup. So I yeah. think it's you know two games a week, um, and I think this you know we seek a routine league win from that game. I think. So, um, Paul, the other thing with uh, Southampton then is that we're actually looking at um, a couple of players that were in our academy. Yes, and, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know who they play regularly. I'm not with the Southampton team, but they certainly took two or three of our players, didn't they? Because we, um, our director of the academy, went to, across to Southampton and um, stole in inverted commas. They had to pay for them. Uh, some of our youngsters, and they're obviously blooding them in. Um, Southampton aren't the team. I don't think they were, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, but they were last year. That gave us so many problems, and we got only two draws in the league against them. But I do recall many years ago, this is back in my youth. Um, I think we'd had a tremendous performance against AC Milan in the UEFA Cup, as it was in those days. Uh, and we beat them uh, 3-0. And the game after was Southampton at home. And it was a typical city in those days. We lost 2-1. I remember Southampton ruined our main road, uh, last game at main road with a 1-0. So they've got a, they've got a history of upsetting a little bit in, uh, on the wrong, the wrong days. But we must be too good for Southampton as well, really. If we put the similar performance, or as I said, 80% of the performance that we did against Stretford, then we should win that game as well. Yeah, I think um, it, it should be relatively academic, but um, I guess you ne- you never know what's actually going to come. Like you say, if it, it's coming quite quickly after the midweek game. So we've got a Wednesday fixture followed by a Saturday fixture, which I know is in the 3pm kind of slot. We tend to struggle a little bit when we have a Wednesday fixture and a Saturday 12.30 doesn't seem to work very well for us, given, given the sort of size of squad that we've actually got. So... It'll be interesting to see. We've got buyback clauses on those players, by the way, as I understand yeah. it. So we yeah. do get the first first okay. refusal on, on, bring, on bringing them back afterwards. Uh, Lavia, was it Lavia and Banzanu? Um, and they're both pretty good. But I think Southampton are in a transitional phase at the moment. Um, I think they're kind of they're kind of struggling a little bit on that front. And they, they used to be almost like a feeder club to Liverpool, didn't they, at one stage? But um, I think they're kind of transitioning to, to another another scene at the minute. So after, after that, we've... Um, we, we've we've got nothing more to kind of cover at the moment. I don't think. Are you there, Spencer? Yeah, I'm there. I was just saying the game after that, of course, is, is Liverpool away, which will be the subject of mm. another, another podcast. But we're all really anticipating that almost in advance a little bit, aren't we? Because uh, that will be a, a marker for, for for really how well we're all doing. Um, I mean, we are second. We're not first. <laughs> yeah, we can get a little bit carried away with ourselves, can't we? Uh, after a game like that, but. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, we're only eight games in, 30 games to go and uh, an awful lot of football to be played. So, um, you know, let's not get carried away. If, if someone had said to me at the beginning of the season, after eight games, would you like to be on one, six and drawn two? I'd have said, yeah, that will go for me. 
So I can, I think it's a marathon rather than a sprint. And, you know, I know Liverpool will be up for it in against us. They're going to have to try and up their game a little bit, but I'm not sure they're necessarily that capable at the moment. They just seem to be having a, a struggle of a time at the minute. Mm. Uh, you know, it remains to be seen what the effect of the World Cup is. Uh, but certainly the last couple of seasons, we've had slow starts, haven't we? And we've then, yeah. good, you know, after a sort of game 11, 12, 13, whereas this season, obviously, we started off in a much better vein um, with different players. So we'll, we'll, let's see how it plays out. be interesting to see if our, our Norwegian meat shield makes the most of his um, winter off, uh, having a few weeks break and actually recuperating himself ready for the start of the Premiership again, given the fact that Norway aren't, aren't playing in the, in the World Cup. Yeah. Finally, let's have your predictions for Southampton, please, chaps. Spencer? 2-0 City. Mr Cox? I would say 3-1 City. And Paul? Uh, we could do I'm with the win against them, couldn't we? Go on. I'll go with the continuation of the tennis scores. So we have 6-love, six 6-3, six six <laughs> <laughs> And how many for Erling? Oh, he's got to have another hat trick. He's got to get uh, that'll be four hat four home hat tricks on the run, won't it? Hat trick for hat trick for Haaland <laughs> and a hat trick for De Bruyne. <laughs> and on that note, gentlemen, thank you all for joining me. Thank you all for joining us, and we're all off to watch uh, the reruns of the Derby yesterday. So enjoy it as much as we do. Thanks, everyone. Good night. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at Playback Media. .co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.